five, scores! Rick Five. We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Five. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Welcome, everyone, to episode 101 of the Squid and Ultimately Ben Show. 101 shows, Squid. My, like, we're getting up there. My God. Like, superstars, aren't we? Time, time flies, Michael. In our own mind time flies. Are. We're, own we're mind having mind. fun. <laughs> yeah, 101. Yeah, right. Like, there's 101 Dalmatians, too, isn't there? So, anyway. <laughs> anyway uh, well, that, that was a big hit, by the way. Yeah, and, and our shows are like a dog's breakfast. So I guess we're probably very fitting for 101. <laughs> Unfortunately for our guest today, though. Um, anyway, my name's Mike Wilson. I'm the Ultimate Leafs fan. Uh, joining me as always, my winger, Ricky Squid Vibe. Squid, other than that introduction, how are we doing? No, we're doing okay. We're uh, I'm getting prepared for the big road trip this weekend. Uh Sudbury Thursday, draft party Thursday night, three games Friday, drive to Huntsville, play with the Leaf alumni Saturday night, then go to Newmarket, play with the NHL alumni Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. It's going to be a tough one. What are the charities? What charities? Let's give a little plug to the charities that are being involved. You know what? I'm not even really sure. The the NHL alumni is usually uh, for the uh, Special Olympics. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure the Leaf alumni games, depending on where they are, sometimes are all different charities. And of course, the tournament in Sudbury is uh, Easter Seals that Jackson okay. Events is a big part of, and uh, and those those are good. They 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 do a great job for Easter Seals, raise a lot of money, and uh, and we have a lot of fun. Yes, that's the most important things, and the fans get to uh, relive some of the past from uh, you guys putting on a show for them. So yeah. We'll try and give them a little entertainment today from the behind the mic and in front of the mic. And so today, our guest was a teammate of yours in the WHA with the Birmingham Bulls, was born in London, England, where soccer was probably the game of choice as opposed to hockey, played a few years for the Toronto Marlboros, drafted by the Leafs in 1971, played seven years as a pro, including 422 games in the WHA, never lacking for a funny story, especially on a golf course, which I'm sure you're aware of. Please welcome Gavin Kirk. Gavin, thanks for joining us today. And how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. So how are you keeping busy these days besides playing golf, Gav? Um, that's about it. You know, I, I was involved in a business for a while uh, with the keg restaurants uh, with a good friend of mine. Um, sold out after we made a few bucks. And uh, now I just like I play golf. We spend the winters in Florida down in uh, uh, Fort Myers. We're lucky enough to, that our home didn't get destroyed. So just some minor damage down there. And we head down there on the 15th of November and usually spend uh, most of the winter there. So, yeah, well, we're in Sarasota. So we avoided that also. Must so be nice. North of you. Good. Good stuff. Great to see you, Gavin. It's been a long time. And, uh, I, the, the funny thing I remember about that year in Birmingham, and I, I don't know if you were one of the guys or not. I can't remember. I remember uh, Wayne Wood and s- several other guys would play backgammon for money right up till about two minutes before warm-up. 
<laughs> and I always felt, I thought, what, like, what is going on here? Like, we got a hockey game to play. <laughs> we used to call it, uh, before there was the, uh, um, the Toronto Toro Golf and Country Club that moved down to Birmingham, you know. Um, it was pretty casual in the WHA days, as you guys know. Uh, especially the year of the baby bulls, uh, we had uh, we had myself, uh, Paul Henderson, Vaclav Nedimansky, and uh, Frank Mahovlich as the older guys on the team. And then I think it was six or seven of, of you guys that were underage. Um, John Bassett signed, uh, you know, including yourself, uh, uh, some great hockey players. I think three of them became captains in the NHL. And so it was uh, it was quite a year, but it was it was more um, fun and casual than than the, the game is nowadays. We weren't in the, the type of shape that players are now. Um, we kind of uh, used training camp to get into shape and lose uh, the extra pounds that we had put on from beer and hot dogs and burgers over yeah. the summer. And, and so um, when we got to training camp, it was, you know, Okay, uh, Tommy Simpson, you got to lose uh, 40 pounds. Uh, Gavin Kirk, you only have to lose 10. So that, that's the mood was, you know, back then in those days. Well, I do want to get it. We're going to get into that a little deeper as we get a little further into the WHA stuff and some of the, uh, st the stuff that went on. But now, do you watch today's game at all? I watch a little bit of it. Uh, we do have, uh, we walk on a TV down in the south as well. Uh, we do visit Tampa uh, for the Leafs every year. Uh, we go up there to see a game. Ran into Jim Dory last year up there, which was fun. Uh, so we do see it live as well, and we go down to Miami as well to, to catch a game down there. Uh, but not a lot, not a lot. Um, so what's so? What is the most glaring or most obvious change from the game versus yours today? I mean, you just talked about the conditioning as one, well, but what else do you notice when you watch these guys on the ice today? Well, I would say bigger and stronger. Um, and, you know, in, in our day or my day, um, the real difference between pro and anything under pro was the time you had to, to make a pass or make a decision. And it's so much quicker nowadays, too, with, with the size of players, the, the strength, the speed. Um, it's, it's amazing how quickly they do things, how fast they do things. And I think it's part of why so many injuries are this year in the past few years, because the guys are so big and strong. And personally, I'd like to see a bigger rink. I'd like to see an Olympic rink out there. So it would give more room for the guys to move around. Yeah, I think, I think that would be, a, a, you know, maybe even if they went to a uh, hundred by, well, that is Olympic, a hundred by 200, right? So if they went to, uh, yeah, anyway, I would like to see that because you're right. And, but I mean, these guys also train and practice these things all summer long. Like when they show that Michigan goal, I mean, these guys work on that, which is unbelievable. Could you imagine back in the day with Billy Smith or one of those guys in net and you tried to pull a Michigan on them? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, so, Gav, you're born in London, England. Let's go through. Let's go. Let's 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 get into you a little bit here. So, you were born in London, England, and moved to Toronto. At what age? I was just two years old. That's where I then I gained this accent. You know. So, <laughs> so talk. <laughs> so talk about 
how'd you get involved in playing hockey? I would think it would think that uh, you know the first, as I mentioned in the introduction, their first inclination would be to play soccer, or did you play both? Uh, no, it was. Um, um, I we started. We had uh, a big rink in the backyard, and we started um, uh, skating and doing stuff. Actually, my mom taught me. She was a, a British as well, but I just saw some things where people uh, would hang onto a chair and skate. And then I guess I was a bit of a natural. Uh, our neighbors came up and said, "Hey, why don't you try uh, playing in an organized league?" You know, when I was five or six or seven. And said, yeah, I'd love to, and tried it out. And I think the first game I played, I scored three goals. And uh, so it just went on from there. I, I grew up in the Don Mills area. We had a really good, well-organized uh, Meyer League system. Uh, there were some years we played uh, as many as 100 games. Um, and so I moved up through there, through that system, um, got into the, played for uh, Junior B with Markham, Markham Sealowaxers. Yep. Uh um, we, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a, a, a right winger called Steve Vickers. You may know yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah. We yeah. heard of him. Yep. Uh, Frank Manella was our coach. And I remember him saying to me, he said, I've got a winger for you. And he said, he's playing juvenile in, in Wexford. Come and see him play. And I saw the game and I, I think Vic scored two goals and uh, won a fight. So I go, yeah, I, I could use him. Yeah, that would be a good winger. <laughs> and the other fellow, uh, Graham White, on my other side, Graham ended up coaching uh, York University, and now I think he still coaches Ryerson. So it was uh, it was a good lineup there, and we won the Ontario Championships that year uh, with Frank as a, as our coach. And the fellow called Gus Bedali, who was our assistant coach, who ended up being uh, Gretzky's agent. So it was well. They ran mm -hmm. a great team, you know. Well done. Was that the Don Mills Flyers? Yeah. Uh, we were known as the Dimeville Civitan then. Civitans then, yeah. Oh, okay. Remember okay. the Flyers yet? No, because it would have been uh, the, the the expansion. Yeah. Wouldn't have yeah. been around then, so no Philadelphia Flyers. So. Oh, okay. So you know, Gav. So when did you? So you're trying, you're trying to make it look like he's been around for a long time, Mike, or what? <laughs> well, hey, Squid. Back you're in that day, there wasn't hey. any Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. You're a couple birthdays away from being in the same club, so don't be yeah. throwing stones. <laughs> and me too. So you know what? We can't be saying anything. Yeah. What I was going to ask you, Gav, is um, was it about this time that you started to set you, or maybe you felt this? I'm I'm, I'm just going to put words in your mouth here that you started to separate yourself from the pack to realize maybe I got a shot at doing something in this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I, mean, I think even younger because, um, you know, you start thinking what you want to do in your life. And, and I remember um, practicing my autograph uh, <laughs> when I was seven or eight or nine years old and, and seeing, you know, you know geez, if I get to pro, I want to make sure people can read my autograph and learn later that uh, people like Bobby Hull used to say, just whatever you do, sign an autograph that's legible because you want people to know who you are. So yeah. I practiced for quite a few years. And, uh, the first time that happened to me that I got to write one was uh, at the Pee Wee Tournament in Quebec City, which was the, uh, when you go to that, it's uh, the ultimate, you know, it's wow. It just says, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to do. So it was fabulous. You know, that, that's a good, uh, you know, you mentioned Bobby Hall. I know he mentioned it to me, guys like Johnny Bauer, Frank Mahovlich. Uh, John Bellevue, who I had a chance to run into a couple of times. 
they all said the same thing. Make sure when you sign your autograph, people can read it. And that's something that I always kind of took to heart. And uh, to this day, I make sure that I take my time and do it proper so people can read it. So that, that that's good that you, you got the same advice from the same people I did. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing with Bobby Hill, I mean, when I, I happened to be an extra in 74 on that Team Canada, and uh, I was out with him for dinner the first night, and I watched him sign autographs, and he just, it wasn't like he just wrote it and threw the page back to the kid. He looked the kid in the eyes and said, oh, do you play hockey? Yeah, what position? Great. Sign the autograph and then give it back to him. He'd always say a couple of kind words. And it wasn't like some of the guys that just, you know, look the other way, don't even look at the kid. So I took that to heart as well when I saw him and how he'd handle things. Well, you know, it's funny. My first autograph I ever got as a kid, my dad took me to Maple Leaf Gardens. I think I've told this story in the podcast before, but we stood under the clock at the gardens in the front entrance and Kenny Warren had walked in. I didn't know who he was. I was like about six and he's handing me a pen and a paper, a book. And he said, go and ask him for your autograph, his autograph. That's Kenny Warren, Mr. Warren. Oh. And I went up and... He signed it for me, and I didn't know what he was doing it for, but I got this autograph. And then this big hustle and bustle came through the crowd a few minutes later, and it was Bobby Hull. And I knew who he was, and I went up to him, and he stopped and looked down at me. And the crowd didn't crowd into him, and I'll always remember this. And he said to me, do you play hockey? And I said, yes. And he said, who's your favorite team? And I said, the Toronto Maple Leafs really fast. And he started <laughs> laughing. But he signed the autograph, handed it to me, made sure I was walking back to my dad. And then somebody made the comment, and I remember this to this day. So, Hall, you're going to score three tonight? And he yelled back the name Simpson, not Samson. <laughs> and you know what? And uh, and here I am, you know, 62 years later, and I can still remember that like it happened yesterday. Oh, yeah. And he would – the other thing about him, he would never leave till everybody had an autograph, no matter what. And he'd we'd wait for the bus for an hour, and Bobby would sign – one after another, after another. And, uh, I, I, you know, you, I, you should take a lot of pride when you're a professional hockey player and do things the right way for kids to show them, you know, what it's like and what you should be like. So, yep. Okay, well, Gavin, I'm going to, we're going to go back to 78, 79 and talk about a gentleman who I, I thought was a, a wonderful person. Uh, there were some nights where I didn't think that. There's probably nights where a lot of people didn't think that. And when I'm talking about our coach, John Brophy. Yes. Now, <laughs> give me a little, a few thoughts <laughs> on on what you thought of John Brophy. Now, before you answer, Gav, yeah. Squid, you should preface that by saying, we ask this question all the time, okay? You're not alone in this one. It gets asked a lot. <laughs> Well, the, the uh, that time too. I, I that year I w helped him. I was like an assistant coach as well. I helped him do some stuff, and uh, uh, one of the things we do after each game was report in to different people on how this, the the uh, the team went in that. And he he would get pretty frustrated if we lost, you know. When he had uh, um, <laughs> he. he He's not a nowadays type coach, or he's not a he's not the the type of manager that I was playing working for Molson later on in my life. You know, you you teach people, you coach people. I, I don't think you know he did a lot of teaching and coaching, but also um, it was hard to play for him because you had to you had to do the right things, and if he if you got on his his bad side, 
you're really on his bad side. I fortunately never was. Um, but uh, he was tough on players that, that didn't do the right thing and made some, some technical errors, which they shouldn't have made. But he he handled it pretty rough. So you had to be a tough, tough, dedicated person to play for him. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've always said that if he had come into the NHL 10, 15 years prior to when he did, and remember, that was his first shot at uh, yeah. head coach in the big leagues was in Birmingham in 78-79. If he had to come in 10 years before that, I think he would have been successful because the game was different. The players were coached differently. And, you know, by the time he got in there, there was more, you know, video. There was more game plans and all kinds of things. And and he wasn't that type of coach. He was more of a motivator than anything else. Yeah. I mean, the year after that, too, I was – I was helping him out, assistant coach. I was doing some color on the radio and that. And I brought him the idea of, of having headphones uh, from the booth upstairs down to him. Um, it only lasted about four shifts when the when the defense was <laughs> the puck away twice. Yeah. And uh, they were smashed on the ground. But, you know, I, I like the guy personally. I really did like him. Like him, you know. He's a good fella, so. I want to go back yeah. to your uh, second year with the Marlies. Uh, we were talking off air, and that, that team was loaded. You yeah. guys had seven of the top scores in the OHL that year. OHA, it was called at the time. But you guys didn't win the Memorial Cup. Maybe talk – and you had 107 points in 62 games yourself. Talk a little bit about that year and maybe some of what was coming in the future for you. Were you hearing some pro talk or any – because the draft was way different than it is today back then. It was only – an infancy basically basically after expansion for a few years as yeah. we know it today. It was um um I don't think it was the big thing, you know, like in football and basketball where you know the jerseys are all there and, and it's different nowadays, obviously. And back then it was kind of, you know, you looked at your team, what where you wanted to go. Um I personally at that time I was thinking of I wanted to go to Vancouver or uh, Boston. They need centermen on those two places. So I looked at their roster and said, you know, if I could go to one of those two places, I'd be pretty happy. I'd have a good chance of, of starting. Um, back in those days, too, when you when you uh, when you got drafted by a team, a lot of the players, especially teams like Montreal, you'd spend the first at least two months mm-hmm. to a year in the minors. You didn't get up with the big boys for a long time, uh, and you know you were taught that's the way it is. You're a rookie shut up and just do your job and then you know someone would talk to you so hopefully someone would talk to you and that's the way it was back then you know you treated rookies like uh you know you know grab this for me do this for me that type of thing it's a little different nowadays so yeah you gotta i mean i I think if you go to montreal i don't think there was anybody very few guys went from junior right to the montreal Canadiens. you spent time in halifax whether you were good enough to play or not and I had a, a great day. You'd love this one, Gavin. When I was 11 years old, I was in Charlottetown. The Canadians are playing the Voyageurs in an exhibition game. So myself and three of my buddies skip school. We wait outside the rink for Eddie Pelchek pulls in in the van. He says, you guys want to help? Sure. So we helped him bring all the equipment in and everything. He said, be back here at whatever, 5 o'clock. And so we were there. He goes, okay, you two go down to the 
Voyager's room, you two stay here. Well, I was one of the guys that were that stayed there. I'm handing out tape and socks to like <laughs> Cornway, I think Belleville, like I mean everybody. And I'm I'm 11 years old now. To make matters worse, my mother and my aunt are in the stands because that's all my dad could afford was two tickets. And he says, gives me a track top, and he says, take the six over to the bench. I'm going like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> but I did it, and I heard them screaming up there. And then I got home, but I got off scot-free because I was in the Canadians' dressing room, and they were my, my father, my mother, and my aunt were all Canadians fans. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I love it. So, oh, now, it was, Gavin, how'd you find out the Leafs drafted you, and who called you? Um, I got a call from, from Jim Gregory, who said, you know, we're uh, – and I had worked up at the hockey camp for them. Uh, and he, he said, you know, we're really happy, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it wasn't that formal, really. It was kind of a phone call and said, you know, get in shape for camp. Uh, we're – we're uh, keen on you, so uh, we'd like to have you on the team and blah, blah, blah. So make sure you come to camp in top shape. So it was that type of thing. So um, it was uh, it was exciting because I, I, you know, was a Leaf fan and had been to the – I'd seen the um, the last Stanley Cup parade downtown Toronto with my brothers. Uh, so it was, uh, it was really exciting to be drafted by them. And, when you put that Leaf jersey on, there's nothing like it in this world. When you finally get to put one on, it's uh, it's absolutely fabulous. Um, but I got into, uh, I remember, you want to talk about training camp there that year? Yes, please, yes. Um, so I go to camp, and I'm there for about two weeks, and, I, and I'm having a pretty good camp. Uh, Jim Gregory says to me, he says, are you okay? And I said, yeah, why? He says, well, sure. I said, yes, I am. Why? He goes, well, you we're just wondering maybe you have a cold or the flu or something, right? I'm like, wow. So I, I called my dad. My We lived in Toronto. My dad stuck in and watched practice for the next two days at Maple Leaf Gardens. And he he calls me that night back in the room, at the hotel room, and he says, uh, don't worry, they're about to offer you a contract. Well, sure enough, Jim Gregory calls me and says, I know you weren't playing that well, but we're going to offer you a contract. And I'm going, wow. So... And it was way below what I wanted at that time. Um, I was looking for a, uh, uh, like a $7,500 signing bonus and like thirteen five or fourteen a year, that type of thing. And um, so about Whoa. two weeks yeah, <laughs> about two weeks later, um, King Clancy calls me and he says, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to offer you a contract and, uh, uh you know, even though you're not playing that well, we're going to offer you one in here. And they've gone up about $1,000 on the signing bonus and $1,000 on the yearly contract. And I said, Mr. Clancy, I'm sorry, I can't sign that, you know. Um, so I ended up training camp was over, and I played two games for them. Uh, not, I wasn't really legal because I hadn't signed anything. I hadn't signed a contract or anything. So I played the first two games. I got a goal, and... Um, we went to practice the next day. Halfway through the practice, uh, the trainer comes over, Guy Kinnear, remember Guy? And he yep. said, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mr. Ballard wants to see you. And I said, okay. So, he, and, and I was skating. He said, no, right now. So I came off the ice. I've been on the ice for an hour, sweating bullets and that. Came up. 
started to go to the dressing room. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to take my skates off. He goes, no, go see Mr. Ballard right now. So if you remember, we walked out that hallway, walked by where the popcorn stand was and that Ford car was in the corner, you know, <laughs> going up the escalator with my skates on, okay? My full equipment, my skates on, my stick. They won't even let me take my helmet off. So I go in there and uh, um, the, the gal says, uh, Mr. Ballard will be with you in a minute. So I stand there for 45 minutes. They finally... Uh, <laughs> They, she says, oh, Mr. Ballard, will you see me? He'll see you. So he calls me to the office, you know, and he, he says something to me like, he says, let's talk about your future. And I said, yes, sir, I, I'd love to, you know. And he writes on a piece of paper, uh, the numbers, I think it was uh, 6,000 signing bonus, 13,000 um, playing, but a two-way contract. And he slides it over to me. And I said, I'm sorry, sir, I can't sign that. And I saw him back. And he goes, sign that effing thing right now. And I said, I'm sorry, sir, I can't. I'm 19 years old at this time, right? So I slide it back. And he goes, get the F out of here. So I leave his office. I go down the escalator again with my skates on. I see there's that Ford car there. I turn right. There's a popcorn stand. There are my clothes on the floor. <laughs> the trainer says you're no longer a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs get dressed out here so I had to dress in the hallway at Maple Leaf Gardens he then sent me to um, Phoenix uh, uh, Phoenix Coyotes was the uh, no Phoenix Roadrunners, Roadrunners hockey team so he sent me there was an air, then when I got uh, the next day in the, in the hotel I got an airline ticket and it was Toronto to um, BC, where the Nelson BC, where the Phoenix Roadrunners were training. And he put me on this milk run. I went to Menominee, Iron Mountain. It took me 14 hours to fly there. <laughs> I stopped in every milk carton place in the world and, and went down to a nice training camp. I was the youngest guy by like seven years in that team. They called it the, the it was Pacific Coast team. They called it the Champagne League. You know? <laughs> And I played, <laughs> I played like two games down there, three games. Ott Erickson was the coach. He used to wear these powder blue, um, Robin blue egg shoes. You know, he was a different cat. Anyway, um, I, I scored a couple of goals and a couple of assists in the first three or four games. And I said, I said, would you give this note to Mr. Ballard for me? Uh, and it was, you know, here's my final offer to sign. Well, I never heard from Mr. Ballard. And he ended up um, uh, retiring. And I went I went to Loyola, University of Loyola there, the Concordia in Montreal. Ended up playing mm -hmm. for the, um, the uh, Loyola hockey team. And I played for the Canadian national team in the Olympics, the student Olympics that year at Lake Placid. So... It was quite an eye-opening experience for me. I knew I could make more money if I if I uh, got to school, finished school, and worked for my dad, who was pretty successful in business. I still wanted to play hockey, but uh, it didn't look like it didn't look like that uh, that year. Pro <laughs> hockey came around next year, and I got a good bonus. So life is life was good. That's quite yeah. a story. <laughs> that, that's a great story. I mean. Uh... I think I've only been to Mr. Ballard's office once. I can't even remember what it was about, to be quite honest with you. But I just recall all the ceiling and the and the walls. Everything was just newspaper. 
clippings of of him. Yeah. <laughs> now, so Gav, Gavin, how did the uh, WJ come along? So that was right around that time. We're talking early seventies here, folks. But uh, yeah. you end up with the Ottawa Nationals. Yeah, uh, Buck Hooley was the uh, executive vice president and general manager of the team. It was originally owned by a guy called Doug Michelle. Who Doug was, Michelle. Yeah, who had an electrical electric company in, in Toronto. Um, and I got a call from, from Bucks in, you know, when he knew how I played in that. He invited me to Ottawa, went out there, offered me a, a nice contract. Um, um, I had my dad and I went in. I didn't have an agent. And um, we, we had talked about things before. And I signed a deal. It was like uh, 8000 I think, to sign in, in 20. 22,000 for the first year. Um, my dad said, he says, you should, I think you should only sign a one year contract. And I said, well, why is that? He says, well, if you do, you can, you know, and don't do well, you can still go back to school. It's not that bad. But if you sign a three year and you do it for about for three years, you know, it'd be tougher to go back to school and get your education. And I said, I agree with you. So I signed that one year deal um, with Buck. Uh, I was really happy with it. Um, the team was a little tight then for money, and a guy called Nick Kukovic, uh took over. Uh, he was he made hockey games and different toys and things like that. The business he had, and uh, Johnny Bassett after that took over the team. Um, and uh, I ended up a good year. I had uh, 28 goals and 40 assists that year. Um, I was second on the team to Wayne Carlton in scoring, so that was. Good. And I signed a really good three-year deal um, where I threw in some uh, incentives that were uh, uh, most players had never even thought of at that time. Um, I said to Johnny Bassett, uh, I, I said, I'll take less money per year. And I said, if I, um, and the plus minus, you know what a plus minus is. Yeah. I said, uh, for every minus at the end of the year, I'll give you back $1,000. For every plus, I want 1000 and he said, so if you're minus five, you're going to give me back five grand. I said, yeah, that's true. I also said, uh, I said, you use me for every face-off. And I said, uh, I need a, I'd like a, a bonus in there for face-off. We need face-offs. Um, you know, so much for, for 60 or 70%, so much for 75%. He agreed on that. I got the, so at the end of the year, you know, and he said, look, I'm glad you're taking less money, but you're going to make more money if you produce. Well, that uh, first year, the, the Toros, which was actually the second year after Ottawa Nationals, I was plus 23. That's 23 grand. Uh, I won 76% uh, of my, my face-offs. That's 20 grand. So uh, I made more money on bonuses. And um, then I got to actually buy a car that I could afford to drive. So it worked out very well for me. Squid, he's been a negotiator for you. <laughs> oh yeah, well, like why were you not an agent back, uh, you know, Gavin? I mean, I could have used you. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I, I started just thinking about different things on how to, you know, how to get more ice time. Because to be honest with you, I met there were there were a lot of players that had more talent than me, uh, could skate faster, could shoot harder. But I don't think I think I was a better forechecker because I I. I worked on angles and that, and for face-offs, nobody even thought about face-offs. They just go to the, you know, go there, drop the puck, and see, you know, see what you can do. I I studied. I had Larry Ashley was our trainer, and I had him. I had a book on each um, 
player that I played sentiment I played against on what they would do. I'd keep getting this book. Also, I started to take a, uh, use it to get a book on each linesman because linesmen drop it differently. Some come from the, just drop the puck, some come and throw it down. So I had all that in in my book and you know, with assets. Okay, who's the linesman today? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, good. So a, a linesman that, that dropped it more than threw it, I had more time to try different things. And mentally, you can cite people other sentiment out you know when you you know I'd, I'd line up frank i go frank move over two inches you know the other sentiment's going who the hell does he think he is but that's what i did you know that was my way of getting more ice because squid would tell you i wasn't the fastest guy in the world <laughs> <laughs> well there's another thing we have in common we both had larry ashley as a trainer yes and i had him in vancouver in vancouver uh, a wonderful person yeah. Uh, gone way too early, unfortunately. And, uh, but, but a great person and a, and a great trainer, very good trainer. Yeah, he was took, took courses every summer on different things. And, and he was, he's, you know, before the trainers back in my day were, you know, guys that would, you know, you know, put a towel on your face and say, okay, we'll see the doctor, you know, that type of thing. Ashley knew a lot about it. He took courses. He worked with our, the doctors, or you know, around us and that uh, team doctors, mm -hmm. and, and he did a great, great job. So, uh, Gavin, talk about the first couple of years in the WHA. You were early in the league. It must have been tough to stay focused playing hockey with all the stuff going on around you, away from the rink, with you know, missed payrolls at other teams, the attendance. It must have been hitting you. This is not the National Hockey League at some point, but yet you guys still carried on. Were any, maybe talk about some of the funny things you saw or some of the memorable, memorable moments throughout that first couple of years just playing in the league? Well, a couple of things, you know, most of the guys on the, on the, the first year were minor leaguers who, you know, were, who never had a chance at the NHL or couldn't make it. So, they, each team had like one or two stars. We had uh, Wayne Carlton, we had Guy Trache, and Les Binkley in goal. So the rest of us were just, you know, I was young. Uh, I played with a lot of guys though who were, you know, later age, uh, you know, mid to late 20s, but they had families. So it was really important to them to, to make an extra dollar here and there. I wasn't that concerned. I was 19 years old. I was just mm -hmm. having the time of my life. I couldn't believe they did <laughs> to do what I wanted to do. You know, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Right. So I, I just really had a good time. And then, then when Johnny Bassett came in and gave some legitimacy to, to the, the, the Toros and the club, and you knew, Hey, when guys like that come in, you know, things are, are more legitimate than they ever were. And uh, I think he was just a fantastic guy on, on, how he got things organized. You had a couple of good guys out the West that did the same, same thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't get my paycheck. I was okay. You know, I can wait a couple of weeks for another one. You know, it's just, I just had so much fun. It was, uh, it turned later into a business, but it was so much fun the first couple of years. I remember the first, um, the first game that we played in Ottawa and the WHA, uh, um, the brain trust thought it was it would be better if we used a blue puck. Oh, uh, <laughs> you'd see it better on TV. Well, uh, the first about 
four or five shifts. I'm on the ice. Les Binkley's our goalie. Um, a shot comes and hits the post, and it dents the puck, and the puck won't. It stays with a dent in it, with a big. Because <laughs> I guess the, the color changed the viscosity of the rubber was so bang. Um, that's the way it ended up. And we we're all looking at this blue puck. It was the first and last time they used the, the blue puck. You know, that was interesting. Um, we had, uh, it was, there was some days, you know, we went to uh, New Jersey, I think, uh, New York, and they, the team shut down halfway through the season. So we, we flew to um, New York to play, and then we took a bus over to New Jersey. to We found this rink where we could play the game in. Um, which was, you know, we had to dress in the hotel and hop on the old days, you know, and you're thinking, oh, my God, you know. But, hey, like I said, I was just a kid. I was just enjoying life. So, um, your relationship no, you, mentioned Mr. You, oh, right. you mentioned Mr. Bassett. Yeah, I just and I remember time. when we were in Birmingham, when he would come to town, he was like you, Hefner. I mean, he'd walk yeah. in, he'd have the sweater <laughs> around his neck, and he dressed to the nines. Yeah, and, and he was a great person. I remember halfway through the season, whether he knew there was going to be a merger or not, I'm not sure. He signed all us young guys to four-year contracts, and of course, part of the merger was that they, the NHL, had to honor existing contracts. Well, they never honored ours. We all got drafted. But instead of making 200, which he gave it, gave me for four years, two year, 200 a year, I got 60. But we went to court and we got a little settlement out of them. So, you know, that was good. But it was very nice of him to do that. And I don't know whether he knew everything was going to happen or not, but, uh, but he was a wonderful person. Yeah, it was also the uh, – he, he wanted to be a jock so badly. And in those early days with the with, – uh, the Toros, I mean, we'd go over, I, I don't know if you ever remember the Jolly Miller. Oh, yeah. Probably, probably the first yeah. place most an illegal beer. Um, <laughs> we'd go over there for a couple of, couple of beers, a couple of trays. Johnny would always come with us, wanted to hang around. But he never had any money. I said, yeah, Johnny, you're like a multimillionaire, but you, you don't have 20 cents in your pocket. He was always borrowing money off me or somebody else. Oh, uh, I'll buy this round. Hey, Gav, can you, can you lend me 10 bucks? You know, that type of thing. <laughs> I guess that's how he became a multi-millionaire. So, but well, the thing about him though is, I I think he was a visionary and he was a sporting genius, and he was way ahead of his time. Remember, he's the guy when Ottawa was moving to Toronto. He wanted to convert the Royal Winter Fair Arena, which was Rico Center. He wanted to convert that. It's now yeah. Coca-Cola today into a hockey rink. They told him it couldn't be done. Yeah, and then he ended up going to Ballard, and Ballard stuck it to him. But remember, he oh. wanted to sign Gretzky before. Scalbania did. He wanted to yeah. bring Nielsen and Hedberg over. He brought Vaslav Nedimansky over from behind the Iron Curtain for the first pair to do that. Yeah. Like his thought process was so far ahead of everybody else in the part of the game. It's just, uh, it's just a shame he he didn't get the credit he deserves. I agree. I mean, and he also, you know, uh, Zonka Kick and Warfield. He signed those three uh, Miami. Dolphins. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, in football. Yeah, when he had it was the Toronto Norseman. That's then, right. Move it to the Memphis Southmen, um, and, and he signed those three. And I, the story was that that he offered them big bucks, like a million bucks each, to sign. And in those days, that was a ton of money. And um, 
they said, oh, can we, uh, we have to call our lawyer, or the owner was Joe Robbie or somebody like that. I'm not sure it was. Anyway, Joe Robbie. Joe Robbie. So we got to yeah. call him and see what he will do. And Bassett said, okay, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an hour. But they were sitting there and Johnny went outside to the secretary. He says, whatever happens, don't put any phone calls through to this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so. I mean, you got to be shrewd too, as well as being smart, you know. So uh, then that was, you know, signing those three. That, that was that was mind-boggling what he did, you know. Just a sharp, sharp guy, and and dedicated, and committed, and uh, and a fun guy as well. You know? Um. Now, Squid can attest to this. Well, maybe we'll talk. We'll talk about this one after. But in seventy-eight, seventy-nine, let's move ahead a couple of years. Johnny, being the visionary on that, uh, talks about bringing in these six baby bull kids. Yeah. And here's another one. He tried sort of the aggressive. That's the very nice way to put the sort of goon tactics to a couple of years before with the teams he had put together. Mm. He's taken a reversal with the kids. The six turned into seven. What was your, again, you're a little older now, so you're a little more savvy, all this stuff. You're just saying, here we go. It's business as usual. Again, the theatrics are all starting and just show up at camp and start playing. Well, in, in one sense, you know, it was, um, you know the the reason we had the kind of goon squad earlier it was Philadelphia set that mode. And That's right. Stanley Cups with those teams and like uh, everybody, everybody went into Philadelphia. Oh, there was always one or two guys that had the Philly flu. You know, right <laughs> the, just before game time. Um, so, but when you get quality players like like Rick and 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 uh, you know the, the gang that we had, uh, you know, it was unbelievable to see these young kids play. And to see them develop, because I think Swid, you'll you'll agree with that. You, you playing juniors one thing, and pro all of a sudden, it's, mm-hmm. it's you have to make the move quicker. You, you, if you think and then make the pass, it's too late. You got to make that pass. So to see these, see all the guys sort of develop and and uh, and do so well, it was it's just amazing, you know, to to play and be with a team where we're like, wow, these guys are really good. We've got a good chance of winning the AFCO Cup this year. And that's what our thinking was, I think, at the start. So. Squid, your comment coming in with all these veterans. Well, it was kind of it was kind of a mixed bag, I guess, for me. It was like, uh, you know, you were excited uh, about the opportunity, uh, but at the same time, you're nervous. Like, you know, you're you're 19 years old, you're going in where, you know, most of the guys are mid twenties or older. In fact, I think pretty much all of them were. And, uh, it was a little bit strange, like for, for us young kids, but the good part was we lived in the same apartment complex of seven of us. And then of course, Keith Crowder went back to junior in November because he wasn't playing. So there was only six, but then I had to, then I had to live with Pat Riggin and that, that kind of made it worse, but <laughs> well, Pat was a little lazy and he didn't clean up very well. Uh, so I had to do all the cleaning in, in the apartment. Well, he's a goalie. Jeez. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Now, Gavin, let's talk about you. Some of the guys you play with. Uh, let, let, first off, let's talk about playing with Frank Mahoblich as one of your wingers. Okay. Yeah. Um, I played Frank and, and uh, Mark Napier were my wingers for about three and a half years. Um, so in 74, like I said, I was, I was an extra on that team Canada. Uh, so we traveled across Canada, trained in Edmonton for six weeks. 
uh, we get back to our first game. We actually played three games, and I played with Frank uh, those three games. He's he's my winger. Um, and Frank's, uh, he's a different cat, too. He's got a different sense of humor, you know. Um, anyway, <laughs> so halfway, we're in Chicago. It's the third game. Halfway through the game, we're on the bench, and he turns to me and says, Gav, I said, yeah, Frank, he goes, you know, you're the – you're the worst center iceman I've ever played with. I said, what? He goes, you're the worst center iceman I've ever played with. And now I got mad and I started swearing at him. And the more, the madder I got, the more Frank laughed, you know. And I said, Frank, what's so funny about that? And he goes, well, the other three were Dave Keon, Alex Delvecchio, and Jean Belleville. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I'm Dave Fourth. <laughs> that's a classic you know it's funny you mentioned Frank okay so when I had that opportunity when I was 11 years old I, I still remember to this day Frank and Peter are in the hallway Frank took three of Peter's sticks and cut them off of course Peter was about four or five inches taller <laughs> than Frank and they got in this big argument in the hallway, and I'm standing there listening to this these two Mahavlas brothers arguing with one another. <laughs> I tell you what, a, you know, he's still at that time, and he, he was older then, and I remember him watching him at Maple Leaf Gardens, but he'd still he'd get that puck, and he'd start his stride, and, you know, by the time he got to center ice, he was full steam, and there would be guys hanging off him, holding on, and Frank would have the puck. <laughs> It just come in and fire a shot. His wrist shot, his slap shot. I mean, he he was a great hockey player and strong, strong as a moose. I mean, just unbelievable, you know. And I really enjoyed playing with him for that long time. And when you have a, I was a centerman, right? My job is to get him the puck and Mark Napier the puck. That was my job to to pull someone over to me and wait for one of those two to start going ahead. So. I would spend half an hour in a, after practice just throwing passes left and right, you know, backhand, forehand with Gilles Leger. And I'd have them set up three feet in the air, you know, toe to heel, spinning, land once and sit flat. So I had to, the more I did that, the better I got at and the more assists I got, I realized, you know, that would help out. So it was, it was fun playing with those two guys. Like I said, I was, I knew what my job was. I always say to Frank, you know, you're you just I take your position because you don't go in the corners and you don't go in the corners our end or their end. So I'm playing left wing and you just play out center ice for where where I take the face. Now, but he was he's a great guy to play with, really, really nice fellow. Now, maybe both you guys can comment on this, but the WA had a lot of free time in the early years, maybe even in later years too, but the scheduling. So in town for a couple of days on the road and Guys have affectionately labeled it as a drinker's league at time. And that's uh, with affection that was, that was put out with some guys, but the level of play was still very good. But any funny tales you can share from your time on the road with some of these guys or stuff that sticks out with you from your time playing? Well, I, I, I wanted to talk about this because this, this happened uh, and I've read it in a number of books and that um, it was uh, the, uh, it was, on, it was an on ice thing when we played Winnipeg. And they started um, uh, Bobby Howe, Anders Hedberg, uh, Alf Nielsen, uh, Lars Eric Schoberg, and one other fella. And we started 
Dermy Durbano, Frank Neverbe, um, Shills Bad News Bellado, and Dave Keller Hansen. Okay, so you were tough when you had a nickname. As long as you had a nickname, you were good. So they go to drop the puck, and and Derby Spears, Anders Hedberg, you know, like bang. So um, Bobby Hull turns and and uh, Dave Hansen, Killer Hansen, who I mean, he was scary just to look at. Like he used to grab guys by the hair and pull their head in and hit them like that. But it goes out to Bobby, and he pulls his toupee off. So then he throws the toupee up into the stands. The fight goes on and on and on. You know, it's all over. The penalties are given out. The announcer, uh, would you please return the foreign object that was thrown into the stands? <laughs> well, nobody returned it, obviously. So that was the only game Bobby Hull played with a helmet. Because after that, he got he got stitched on, you know. So, but other than that, I had a bad story because I thought that was pretty good. You know. You're right. Dave Hansen told us that when we was we had him on the podcast. <laughs> oh, and, and he actually said that he lined up against Hull later in the game, and he said, uh, "Bobby, I'm 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 really sorry about what I did." And he goes, "Ah, that's okay, I, kid. I needed a new one anyway." <laughs> So it's funny you mentioned, Gavin, it's funny you mentioned that because when all us young guys came into Birmingham, all those guys were gone with the exception yeah. of Dave Hansen. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the other teams loaded up on tough guys. And it was kind of revenge time. And unfortunately, I got the shit kicked out of me quite a few times that year. But you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> It was uh, well. That's part of hockey, right? You gotta, you don't win them all unless you're. You know, there's always a tougher guy that comes along, right? So yeah. Uh, in in the, that era too, just before that era, when like I said, when Philly won with that goon squad, everybody seemed to go that way. You know, get a tough guy and and uh, but that was hockey. That was what hockey was like back then. So well, here's one for both you guys. You can both answer. I I and I'm one of the guys that believe in this. I I think the league deserves to be regarded in a higher standing than it is. It's known as the Rebel League, but it was much more than that. So maybe speak to some of the benefits that came out for the game of hockey as a result of the WHA that we even see today, and not just the payrolls increase, but just everything else about the game. The underage players, as an example. Yeah, I think that was that was huge. And and one of the things I'd like to mention, uh, when Gretzky came out of St. Marie there, um, Gus Bodner was his his uh, agent. And he got him out of there, out of junior hockey before it was too late because he could have been hurt seriously playing junior hockey back then. Um, and I think uh, the same with Rick and a bunch of the guys. It's 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 better to mature and come into the game and learn to play, especially with older guys at the start rather than back then. So uh, um, I think it was great in getting younger guys involved in the league. Um, you know, some underage drafts coming in and so and so, and making you know giving them the opportunity to start playing at that age. Uh, so and the, the I think the WHA with Johnny Bassett opened up that that uh, era where you could get a few younger players in here and there. Um, playing with Gretzky, for an example, I was fortunate enough to play against him. That was my last year, I think, or the year before my last year. He was 
Um, the first game I played against him, it was like, who is this kid? He's, he's 150 pounds soaking wet. Uh, <laughs> he's just, you know, he's not bad, you know, that type of thing. And uh, so I think he, he got an assist that, that game. Uh, fast forward six weeks later, um, it, Squid, I think you were on the team. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. we played him and uh, I, I, I'm covering him in the first period. You know, I'm 20. Seven, twenty-eight years old, or something, and he's seventeen, and he gets a goal, and and Brophy basically cars me a new, uh, you know, behind <laughs> uh, for letting him score a goal, and then he puts someone else on him, I think, and Gretzky gets two goals in X period. So Brophy says, "You're back on him. You only let him score one." You know, so, and but to see him develop was amazing. He like over the four to six week period where we saw him, go, you know, grow up become a young man and a great hockey player you know his his hockey sense was was still you know some of the best I've, if not the best i've ever seen you know it was just fantastic so yeah i, I think i think it gave a lot of uh, opportunities to some young guys you think of langway uh yeah. you think of uh, guys like that that got a chance but i think more importantly i think it helped a lot of guys in the minors that couldn't get to the NHL because there was only 12 teams and, you know, it was difficult for them to, to make it. And so they got a chance to go to the WHA, play a lot more, play against good players in a, in a, in a pretty competitive league. And then that would catapult them to the National Hockey League. And so I think it gave hockey players in general, professional hockey players, a more of an opportunity. I, I agree with you there. And it, it... You know, when there were six teams and 12 teams and so-and-so, there were a lot of good players. If they mm -hmm. weren't liked, you know, the management could send them anywhere they wanted, depending whether they were good or, you know, good or great or better than someone else. They didn't want someone that was, uh, that didn't uh, speak out or do something like that. So they were really pushed into the minors and the places where the, their talent uh, wasn't as, uh, wasn't shown as much as it would be in the professional league. So. I, I agree with you, with with there for sure. Um, your a couple of your favorite moments from the WHA, fond memories. Oh, I guess my my uh, the first year of the Toros when I became uh, I was given assistant captain status. Uh, I was uh, I was I think the youngest in pro hockey at that time, and I, that was an extremely proud moment for me. And the other one in '74. Being invited to, to train with the team on uh, Team Canada. That was, uh, if you recall, in '72. There were some players that didn't play um, and ended up going home from uh, from the Russia. Uh, so in '74, they wanted um, enough players there that were in shape, but uh, like myself, said uh, and both Howes. Um, there was a uh, who else? A goalie. Um, we all trained there and knew we wouldn't play unless someone got hurt but we were told that from the start so we were going out with the same enthusiasm everybody else was um and, and it was just such a great thrill to, to i sit in a dressing room look across and there's bobby Helen beside me is gordy howe who doesn't have a neck you know is just goes straight from his ear <laughs> and uh, you know and then just i'm like wow you know it was it was a huge thrill for me. It really was. So. Uh, here's a question for you both. Um, 
back in the day, I would say the lack of funds. If we had, if you had the deep pockets that you have today, the league may have survived longer, but we'll never know that. And that was probably most of the problems that, you know, came to the downfall, which it is for most startup leagues. However, what we've seen happen with the PGA and live, could you ever imagine something like that happening? And not only probably wouldn't happen in the NFL because of the TV contract you have, but other sports, something like that coming along down the road and making competition for the big league. Hmm. I'm not a fan of that. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I see golfers, for example, that, you know, they want to play, you want to be, you know, recognized in world rankings, but they're playing in a thing where they're making money. I'm not saying that's wrong for them, you know, for Dustin Johnson to make, what, 20 million or 30 million in his first year. You know, that's a hard thing to turn down, obviously. But but I think there's some honesty and, and credibility in, in mm-hmm. the people you think of and, and uh um, I, I think right now you see it with all the teams in pro football and basketball and baseball and that. Um, I think it's it's competitive. It's it's there's good players playing. The the fans get their dollars worth when they see the game. They see the skills that are there. So I I like what's going on right now. I, I I'm not a fan of what what could happen. So yeah, I think I, I'd have to agree hundred uh, um, percent. And and also you got to look at. The setup of the National Hockey League, the NFL, NBA—they've got all the all the markets cornered, you know. And everybody wonders why they want Arizona to stay in Arizona so badly. It's because they want all the TV markets, and they have them now. So, for another league to come in, it'd be very difficult because they'd have to compete against teams in their region that are playing in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's fair enough. That's fair I enough. Also- I just spitball them. That uh, uh, the players' associations now are a lot stronger than they were before. So mm-hmm. I, I think you know, the, in football, for example, with the, the Miami quarterback concussion and so and so and things like that, there the, the the associations, the players' associations, that take care of their people a lot better than than we had it because we couldn't do those things. You know, we weren't allowed to, or we didn't have the power. It, there's a lot of strength now in the players' associations and all the leagues, and I think it's a good thing. Well, the, the other thing you would have to keep in mind as well is that it's not a dictatorship as far as the agency goes and the play representation from a guy by the name of Al Nicholson. Yeah. Whereas the power of today's agent is such that they basically control the leagues, but there's more uh-huh. than one guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. like in the old days, Eddie Shore, when the, the – Backup goalie would be have to he'd have to sell popcorn in the stand. Popcorn, yeah. The game. Like, come on. Well, I don't think they can come beat the one about that. you getting. Dra- I can't. Don't think they can beat the one about you getting dra- your clothes l- waiting in the hall for you to get changed in the hall. You just cut. You know, and, and Mike, just another quick one. When we yeah we went to visiting teams to play in that we're playing in, in L.A. and uh, you always get a stick boy from from the other team, you know, yeah. so, uh, we're there and, uh, you know, warm up goes out, we come back in, everybody gets a little Dixie cup, you know, and puts their teeth in the Dixie cup and water and puts it on top of the stall. So we go in, we play the game, we come back out and everybody's, you know, showers come back out. Look, where's my Dixie cup with the, my teeth, you know, and the stick boy said, well, I, I threw all of them in the garbage. So guys are going through the garbage, picking up. <laughs> Oh, these are mine. Yeah, these, these. 
Actually, mine were already in, so I didn't have that problem. So, <laughs> well, the good old days, the good, the good old, old days, the good old days. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, it's great as usual. We always, time is our enemy and we're out of time once again. And we, we can't thank you enough, Gav, for joining us today. And I'll just close this by saying that I think every player playing today should thank anyone who played in the WJ for breaking up this party the owners had on for so many years. And they owe you guys a debt of gratitude. And that's for sure. Thank you very much. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was good to to see squid i hadn't seen him uh, well, i just seen him on tv with that new beard you know i'm like wow <laughs> i find out he's got a son who's how old 30 37 37 37 anyway mike I, I i'm off to see i'm taking my son to uh, my son and my grandson to vegas for my grandson's 21st birthday on sunday wow we're gonna see the Leafs play monday night well, listen. If you're there, if you're there when they play Tampa this year, I'll be there. So maybe we, we can hook up at the game. That, we, I will for sure. We we head up there. There's a great the Hat Trick Bar. You've been there. I know where that. Yeah, that's where all the Newfoundlanders go when they, have, they fly to Tampa. They see the game in Tampa, then go to Miami, and then fly home. And it's cheaper than going to the Air Canada Center and buying a beer. You know, so. that's for sure. Yeah. Well, listen, Gavin, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Some My great pleasure. stories, great insights, and uh, that's the best going forward. And get that golf game. Get that handicap down. There you go. There you go. Thank you very much.